You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Hello, welcome to today's episode of the podcast. I am stoked that you decided to hang out with me today, and I'm really excited for you to get to know Megan if you don't already. I want to jump right into this as fast as I can because I really want you to hear this episode. It's a lot of fun, but one quick plug before we do, and that will be again for the text chat. If you want to come hang out with me, you can text 503-751-8577 and we'll start talking. I send out messages to the whole text chat and then anybody that chooses to respond, it's a one-on-one conversation between myself and them. Lately, I've been sending some unreleased American Cyclops tracks and we've been discussing those, the production of those, and that type of thing. Sometimes it's music business related, sometimes it can be really anything, but it is a channel that is entirely controlled by yourself and myself without some algorithm trying to get in between. So if that sounds good to you, you can, again, send a message to 503-751-8577 and come hang out with me there. And you can leave at any time. You just text stop if you're done with it. And I promise it's all coming right from me, right from my thumbs. So if that sounds like fun, you can check the links in the show notes. Well, it's not a link. You can check the phone number in the show notes with all the other links and information that you may need. And yeah. That's a that's enough business. Let's get right into this episode. Let's go. Here we go. Boom. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar stuff occasionally, sometimes. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have Megan Lippy. What's going on? Hello, hello. Hi, Blake. Thanks for having me. This is really exciting for me. <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah, I've been watching your videos for quite a while. And the first thing that struck me about the way you do them is, uh, why hasn't somebody done this before? Like, when you piece the the songs together, like you make a song, which some like that's becoming a little bit more common. But then the animation with the signal chains and everything that you have going on, I'm like, this is brilliant. It's like a simple idea, but you do it in such a cool way. So I just was like really excited to get on, get you on here and talk about your background and your, your process and all that. So, yeah, sure. It was actually, so my friend, Brian, he goes by pedal friends on Instagram. He was making videos before I was, and he had like a kind of the same um, graphic process where he did his, his graphics in Photoshop. And I thought that was like super cool because you know, like dealing with a camera, you like make sure your SD card, you know, has got enough space on it, you know, and make sure you hit record before you started. And um, so I just felt like doing it uh, with Photoshop and the graphics and stuff was just easier for me. And he he had that idea. And I just like thought that was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I just started making videos for fun and um, it kind of like evolved into um, like getting more complicated, I guess, with like doing the signal chain stuff and like 
putting multiple stuff on the screen at the same time. Um, but yeah, that that kind of came from from Brian who thought of that initial idea, and I thought that was super cool. Nice, nice. Yeah, that's it's super awesome. I love it, and I think I think a lot of the uh, listeners are going to get a lot out of it too. But I also I really like your playing. It uh, oh. <laughs> it's much more uh, it's much more in line with with what I would listen to outside of gear demos, like just music I would like to listen to. Your style is very cool. I like it's just it's just more in line with my musical taste. So um, I think there's it's becoming less and less of a thing, but there was a long time where it was just always blues shreddery. And oh yeah, totally. I, I love that stuff. There's I mean, I'm I'm into it, but it's not like when I when I put on music, if I fire up Apple Music or whatever, that's not usually what I'm putting on is, you know, blues shreddery. It's not that's not is that a category? I'm not sure if that's a category or not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's more, you know, more in the punk vein, the indie vein, things like that. That's just what I like. And I don't know, you 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 put these songs together in a really cool way. So how do you start? Do you ha- usually like have a riff in your head or do you uh just plug the pedal in and see what comes out. Yeah, that's basically what I do. I just have the pedal on for like an hour or whatever. And I just see like what it inspires me to play. Usually it's like a short ish riff. And then I just try to make a whole song out of that one idea. Nice. nice. Yeah. Well, so what's your rig look like? Um, so I usually play a thin line Jaguar, which is like kind of a weird guitar. It was a, um, Japanese like limited production I think they only brought a few over to the states um so that that guitar has like kind of a cool unique sound and then um I I've been using a Vox AC15 lately um but my normal amp is a Fender Princeton Mm -hmm. which has been kind of broken for the last year or so um but it's it's funny because the Vox is kind of divisive like now that I've been using it, a few people have been like, can you go back to the Princeton? You know, it's like a better pedal platform amp, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like, I like both of them. And um, like, I feel like people who play Voxes don't like have a lot of gear demos that have Voxes in them because maybe there's that stigma that they don't take pedals well or whatever. So I don't know. I'll, I'll keep using both of them, but I think it's nice to have a variety there. Yeah, I, I found that like I'm not a big Vox guy myself, but I love them. I love their sound. But for me, like I I'm usually pummeling things with so much dirt that I need a, I need more headroom than most of the Vox designs can can handle. Mm-hmm. Um, they just kind of squish down a little bit. But that said, there's nothing like that tone you know when oh, you totally. it's dialed in just right um, yeah. my friend uh brian fallon he's been on the podcast a few times um but he's a big vox guy and he's always making fun of me for like not not using <laughs> boxes i'm like so what if you're a successful musician and i'm not i'm gonna still play my weird <laughs> but uh yeah. yeah he's a he's a big advocate for the voxes he just posted some yesterday actually but that's cool so do you do you mic everything in the room or do you do okay what do you what's your process yeah i do a i have a little sennheiser uh mic that goes on the cab so it like drapes right over Mm -hmm. the amp so i don't have to have a mic stand or anything and then i just run that into a scarlet 
2i2 interface. Nice. And then I just record in GarageBand. It's it's easy. It's free. You know, I had it available. So um, I've gotten so used to it. It's like I could switch at this point. I think it'd be like nice to have more features and stuff. But GarageBand has been really easy for me to just. I uh, I do everything in GarageBand too. And uh, I constantly am like, I'm going to switch to Logic at some point. <laughs> that point will be when I run into something I can't do in GarageBand that I know I need to do. Yeah. Um, maybe there's things I should be doing that I don't know about. That's possible because I'm mm -hmm. just figuring it out as I go. But I actually think that GarageBand is kind of underrated. It can oh, do totally. a lot of stuff. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. And like the more I dive into it, I was like, at first, I didn't think you could like put do like plugins with it but it's got like a whole array of stuff you can do and it's like the more i learn about like mixing and stuff which is something that i've been like meaning to get better at yeah and pe hearing people say like you know put a compressor on that or like add reverb in post and do all this stuff i'm like trying to learn about that and i figured out GarageBand like has all this stuff already in it <laughs> it's got a ton and you can you can use other plugins too i do it all the time you know i've got i'm starting to become a little bit of a plugin addict just like i'm a pedal addict and uh yeah i use i actually use um the stl tones uh, tone hub for a lot of direct stuff i don't i didn't used to be a person that recorded direct ever um and still for my music i don't do that i record with all of my crazy amps and make a bunch of weird sounds but when i'm just trying to like do something i guess like i hate to like make it sound like i don't care because i do but when i'm doing something for work i'm like making a piece of content for somebody or um doing something for a client or i've actually done like intro jingles and stuff for other podcasts i don't want to say i don't care but i don't have the same like passion for doing that it's more like gotta get this job done and yeah plug yeah. it in wow, that sounds great. And I didn't have to do anything. Like, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but the SDL tone stuff I've been genuinely really impressed with. Uh, it's still like, it doesn't feel the same. And it never, I don't know that it ever will, even with things getting better and better and better. But uh, if on the end recording, I couldn't tell you if it was a real recorded amp or directed. I, it sounds really good. So if sounds nice. good, it is good. You know? That's yeah, totally. Yeah. So was there an aha moment for you? Did you did you just like see somebody with maybe your friend that you mentioned earlier uh, or something that made you go like, I really want to do this? Was there somebody that inspired you to start putting this stuff out? Um, Not in particular. I think it was just I was looking for something to do and um, I was a big um, contributor to <laughs> Reddit guitar pedals. Mm -hmm. and that was like an outlet for me to like talk about gear because I didn't have anyone like in my life that like was into gear and guitars and stuff. So it was like where I went to go discuss stuff and learn about stuff. Um, and then eventually after a while uh, I wanted to like share some sounds with the pedals that I was getting. And um, I just started recording my stuff and I was like, you know what? I'm not a great player but I'm just going to go ahead and record stuff and put it out there. You know, like yeah. the worst thing that can happen is someone's like, I don't like this, but <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I was just like, you know what? You got to go for it. So I put some stuff out and um, I just kept putting stuff out. Like maybe it didn't get that much attention, but I just kept making videos cause it was fun. Mm -hmm. And eventually it was just like, whenever I'd get a new pedal, I'd make a video about it because um 
like the worst thing is when a pedal comes out and there's like no sounds at all. Yeah. And you're like, I kind of want to buy this, but like, I don't like, I don't know what, like, is this, is this going to work for me? Does it make sounds I want? So I thought, you know, if I get a new pedal, I'll make a video and maybe it'll help people. And um, yeah, so I just kept doing stuff. And then eventually it got like some traction and um, the first one that kind of like was successful was uh, I made a demo for the Caroline Hawaiian pizza. Mm -hmm. And um, so I put that out there and then Philippe actually emailed me um, and he's like, dude, this is so cool. And like, I was like fan, it was like a fangirl moment. Cause I love Caroline. <laughs> oh yeah. Our company. And I was like, Oh my gosh, really? <laughs> like, Philippe is like emailing me about this demo I made for his cool pedal. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, yeah, he said some really nice things and that kind of like gave me the confidence to like keep going and, and like trying to be better and stuff. Um, and so from there it was just keep recording. And then eventually um, I made an Instagram, which I was kind of against at first. Cause I'm, I'm like trying to stay off social media. Right. But one of my friends was like, dude, you got to make an Instagram, like share, share these things. And so eventually I did. And um, I'm really glad I did because uh, Alex at Mass Distro ended up contacting Alex. me. Alex yeah. is so awesome, by the way. <laughs> Alex is so cool. Oh, yeah. He's um, me for sure. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so he, con he ended up contacting me and then uh, asked if I wanted to do some demos for Mass. And that was like another like, oh, my gosh, are you, are you sure? Like me? And so that's kind of like how I got started. And it's been really amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah, Alex was actually one of the first people. He used to work at a company called Solid Gold Effects. Uh, and he was one of the first people that like kind of reached out to me early on and was like, hey, do you want to like do some stuff? And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And then I found out, oh, he lived in Portland where I live. And then I found out like, oh, he used to work at PGS. And I was like, when I met him in person the first time, I was like, I've bought pedals from you before. <laughs> <laughs> Back when they had a brick and mortar. So it was this really weird kind of a convoluted way of uh, really officially meeting. But yeah, he's awesome. That yeah. Dude so good. Um, but yeah, that's Philippe is how I heard about you initially. I don't know if you listened to his last, maybe it wasn't his last appearance. I think it was. I think it was his last appearance on the show, I believe, is where he mentioned you. Oh, how nice. And uh, he was like, you gotta, you gotta check her stuff out. He's like, I would totally be in a band with her. And I'm like, well, Philippe, if you're saying that you would be in a band with her. I got to check this out. So immediately went and found your stuff. And I was like, I get it. I get what you mean by this. This is fantastic. But yeah, that dude is next level. And he's he's one of the best guests on the podcast. He oh, yeah. yeah. It's so nuts. It's so great. And it's always, <laughs> we always talk about cocaine for some reason. And it's one of those things. It's great. But um, we kind of glossed over one something I wanted to ask you about, which is like, what about the early days? When did you get started playing guitar? And obviously, like you got really passionate about the gear world. So how did that all transpire? Um, I well, I think I started taking guitar lessons in like third grade. Oh, wow. And at, at that point, I, I did not want to play guitar. It was just kind of like like I was always busy, like into sports and stuff. And then for some reason, around third grade, I think it I wasn't doing a sport for a season and my parents were like, well, you got to pick up something. And they're like, Hey, what about an instrument? And, 
And I was like, well, you know, I'm not really into music that much. And I guess guitar, because I like the music I listen to is like rock music. So I was like, okay, I'll just do guitar. Mm-hmm. And I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know, a little third grader and I had like a big dreadnought guitar. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was kind of like, like, if anything, I wanted to like play some Green Day songs. Totally. And, you know, it was like acoustic guitar. And I had um, a lady that taught me was from my church. She was the the band director. And she would teach me something like Amazing Grace and like some chord stuff. And I was just not into it. So I think I stopped lessons after like six months, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in, I think it was like eighth grade, uh, one of my friends was like, hey, I got a guitar. Like, I'm trying to learn it. Um, and I'm like, oh, hey, I have a guitar. Maybe I'll learn it with you because I was looking for something to do at that time. And it's always nice to learn with a friend. Totally. Um, but yeah, so we were like, okay, cool. And I told her like, Hey, I, I still remember some stuff from when I took lessons. Like, I know you're supposed to learn like a C chord and like maybe a D chord and an A. And so I like told her like, okay, let's just throw some chords and then maybe we can play some songs. So, um, like a month later I check in with her. I'm like, Hey, how's, how's it going? Like, have you learned anything cool? And she's like, Oh, I haven't touched my guitar. (laughs) And all that time I was like trying to relearn like my chords and like get familiar again. Um, And I kind of liked it at that point. Like I was like, this is something that I actually enjoy doing. So I just kept playing and um, eventually I got to the point where I think my parents were like, oh, okay, you're, you're like kind of serious about this. And they, they took me to get my first electric guitar that's so and, exciting. Uh, yeah that was that was so exciting and my grandpa came with me because he he loves music and um and i i got a uh an epiphone les paul special i think it was yes because i wanted to play some like pop punk music of course yeah um and that was that was so fun so and, and then i was like i got that um uh pv viper yeah, you know? of course, of course. Um, you know, put it right on that crunch setting and like chugged away. <laughs> like a lot of memories right now. <laughs> yeah, that that so I did that for a long time, and then I, I didn't start getting into gear until I was in like late high school, I would say, mid to late high school. And uh, that's when I got my first pedal. I got a DS2. Yeah, so awesome. Um, because John Frusciante was like my favorite guitarist. Like I was in really into the red hot chili peppers. Um, and so I was like, Oh, DS two for first pedal. Like that makes a lot of sense. Of course. Of course. Um, yeah. So I just like kept, I just, I learned like all the red hot chili peppers songs. Wow. Um, yeah. And, and that was kind of like what motivated me to play. It wasn't like, I don't think I ever like truly sat down to like, intentionally practice i would say it was always just kind of an outlet for me to like 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 you know how you just play a video game for fun i was just playing guitar and be like i'll learn a song here and there and if there's something i don't know in the song i'll learn how to do it so i can keep playing it um and that's kind of just how i learned guitar it was it's very it was very like casual you know have fun um don't like push yourself too hard you know i don't want to make it some like a chore you know right yeah, so that's how it's it's kind of been going. Um, and uh, in college, I started 
trading a bunch of gear and stuff. That's like when I really got into gear mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I would go on Craigslist and stuff and like find deals and stuff. And, um, just, I just got to try out a bunch of pedals that way. Yeah. So that well, was cool. Just like finding stuff, like not even necessarily stuff that I was like super interested in, but it was like a good deal. So I was like, you know what, I'll just, I'll do it. And I, I traded pedals around and stuff. And so that's kind of like what really got me into gear. Yeah. The, uh, trying stuff is underrated, you know? Oh, totally. People sometimes will like, Oh, I don't like fuzz pedals or I don't like, I'm like, I used to think I didn't like flanger. Like I was a very anti flanger. And then I tried the Mr. Black Shepherd's End and the Chase Bliss Spectre, which are both through zero flangers. Um, very different. Mr. Black's really simple. Obviously, the Chase Bliss one's pretty complicated. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. I was wrong. I do like flanger. I didn't know. And now I love flanger. And I just people got it. You got to taste things. You know, you never know what might inspire you or, or jump out. And I think that's the coolest thing about trying new gear and getting new gear is it's not just having the thing and there's like a little bit of a rush, like, oh, cool, I got the new toy, like, awesome. But that's when you plug in and you're like, oh, I wouldn't have thought of that, you know, mm-hmm. without this. And it can totally inspire completely new things that have never happened before, which is weird to think. Yeah, about. I just went through the same thing with Flanger. I've never liked Flanger. And then I got the Spaceman Aurora, which came out recently. Yeah. And I love that thing. Like it's totally changed my mind on like how to use flanger and what it can sound like. And yeah, yeah now it's like I kind of like maybe I can swap out my chorus for a flanger. Sometime. Sometime. <laughs> yeah. You never know. Like it, yeah. it's a it's a very underrated effect, I think. Flanger doesn't get enough love. It's a but it's weird. And you know, it, there's not a ton, like there's you can think of a lot of great songs that use a lot of chorus. You know, and a lot of different instances of chorus being used, and it's harder to point it like this is a really great, great flanger track. They exist, but it's it's just kind of tossed aside. You know, it's a it's also a skew that doesn't generally perform as well from a builder's perspective, and it can be difficult to get the motivation to make stuff if you're like, I don't think this is going to sell, even though I really like it. You know, so flanger people, come on, get on the flanger train. Let's do it. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I think the problem was like I always associated it with that like jet plane whoosh sound. Yeah. That was just, it's just like so over the top, like with like a bunch of distortion. And I was like, well, I don't like that. <laughs> so I was like, well, I guess I don't like flanger. Right. But, you know, there's like, uh, like there's so many ways to use pedals. And I'm like, I'm really glad that I got on the flanger train <laughs> again. <laughs> Gotta make what those whale sounds, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so is that the, uh, the most recent like discovery, like, Oh wait, Flanger's cool. Or there have been other things along the way. Um, Flanger's probably the biggest one. And the other one I would say is I'm kind of getting into tremolo. Oh yeah. I was never like a big tremolo person. Cause I was like, well, it's just volume. It's just, it just goes up and down. Like it's not as cool as chorus or like phaser, but um, I got the champion lucky skitter pedal. And that does like a reverb trem thing. And there's like a bunch of cool like waveforms and random stuff you can do with it. And that's been really inspiring to me, Um, like on slower parts and just just like sitting down to play and just do some chords and like have a good time. I I really like trem on like the slower stuff. So I'm kind of learning like how to use that and and uh, 
even like the choppier stuff is super fun with like a bunch of fuzz. Oh yeah. Oh yes. yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. So good. <laughs> yeah. Years ago, uh, did a short run of pedals with spruce effects. Uh, this, the tremolo and the tremolo is a fuzz and a trim in one. And that thing is, it looks so pretty. Like he really did a nice, like very beautiful job with the graphics, but it is aggressive. Like <laughs> the fuzz has a ton of gain and the tremolo can be nice and throbby, but it'll also does that helicopter thing. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Which the order of them and the, it's a actually kind of a brutal pedal. Like you'd look at it and go, Oh, how nice. That's probably a transparent overdrive. And then it's, <laughs> it'll tear your head off. It's, it's great. That's awesome. I, I used to have a walrus Janus Janus. I don't know how you pronounce it. Oh, the one with, with the like, joysticks? yeah, with the joysticks. Mm-hmm. That was so cool. Like where you could like put the, put the trim on after the fuzz and like move the joystick and it would get like really choppy and like, yeah. like super slow or super. Oh, that was so cool. I wish I still had that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those things are fun. It's a lot of fun. So did you end up playing in bands or anything? No. So that's the thing is like, I've always just played guitar like for myself, kind of just as, as a, like almost like a therapeutic thing. And I've like, I've definitely like been interested in like, Hey, maybe I could, you know, join a band if I found people to play with or the right people. Um, but I mean, the people I know who play guitar, uh, like don't really have the time and, and stuff. So we've jammed a little bit, but I've never, I've never gone out and like tried to do a, the band thing. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of just like, I feel like with artistic stuff and especially how I've how guitar has been in my life um playing at home just for fun as as a as like a catharsis sort of deal has like i don't want to turn that into something like with a band if it becomes stressful or um if i don't have like if i have to find something else to do to like have that same uh relaxation time like i I don't want guitar to be something that i grow to associate with stress right no, I totally understand that. I also understand the kind of taking it passively. And I mean, that sounds probably really weird coming from me. But like, I I definitely use guitar as zone out time. So, oh, like, I do at some point, you know, I'm talking about guitars all day. I work with a bunch of guitar companies. I do all this guitar stuff. At some point, I'm like, yeah, I just want to read a comic book. But inevitably, I will find myself out here in the middle of the night with like a whole table full of pedals and just like, like getting lost. <laughs> and and it's it feels good. Like it feels really, really nice. I actually posted a video on YouTube quite a while ago. It was not the last Halloween, but the Halloween before of literally it was like, this is like I didn't I didn't plan on making a video. I was like, well, let's just set the camera up and film my little weird zone out session. And I got done. I was like, that actually doesn't sound too bad. I'll go ahead and post that one. But I mostly did it because like, this is what I'm talking about when I talk about it on the podcast. When I say I use guitar to relax, this is that moment like caught in real time. So I totally, I totally relate to wanting to have it not be a thing that feels like work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Those midnight, like just jam out sessions are the best. They are. Yeah. I, I don't, I didn't start. I used to like never record them, but that's what all my music has been generated from those primarily. Um, some of them, and actually some of them that ended up on the Tom record were like, like, huh, 
I guess that's a song. Like, I guess, like, <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but I'm I'm happy with it. So we'll go with that. Yeah. Do you ever like just like hit record, do something, and you're like, in the moment, you're like, that wasn't awesome, and then you listen back at it, and you're like, that was like there was there was some cool stuff in there. All the time. I've done. I actually do both though. I'll I'll go like that was so sick, and I'll come back the next day and be like, what was wrong with you? Like, <laughs> that was not sick. That was the opposite. Uh, but sometimes, yeah, it it occurs the other way around too, which is much more rewarding feeling. I, I, yeah, yeah, for sure. I had the opposite happen here recently. I was like, this is going to be so tight. I can't wait to listen to this tomorrow and get it all mixed and dialed in. And I was like, this is hot trash. Never <laughs> see the light of day. <laughs> yeah we all have those moments i think yeah like for every like decent recording i have i have like 10 more that i just like hit record and played and was like that is trash (laughs) (laughs) but it is nice though sometimes even in the trash there's like a moment it's like oh that like four bar section was cool the rest of it was awful but i can take this and do something with it like let's take that idea and expand on it further so sometimes there's you know, sometimes there's treasure in the trash as well. You just got to sift yeah. the garbage a little bit, you know, looking for a... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. That's okay. <laughs> oh, man. You got to dumpster dive for those riffs. You do. <laughs> dumpster dives for my garbage riffs. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, man, that's amazing. So let's uh, let's back up just, just a little bit here. What kind of music do you listen to? Oh boy. Um oh, that's a broad question. That can go down many rabbit holes. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I'd classify it, but I'll just like toss a couple bands out there that just like um Radiohead was okay. like I used to hate Radiohead, like I don't know why. And then and then it was like one day I was like, I'll give it another chance. And um I listened to In Rainbows and that was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like a huge inspiration. And then uh War Paint. Okay. Yeah. Um, dive. I don't know. Dive. Um, they spell it D I I V. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. They, they like, okay. They like kind of started out as more like a shoegazy band and then went like indie rock. And then their last album deceiver was like super good. Like shoegaze fuzz stuff. It was, it was so good. Sounds like my, um, my jam. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, the Smiths, the cure, Johnny Marr is like my guitar hero. Um, Joy Division? A little, a little bit of Joy Division. A big Joy um, Division kick right now. So, oh, nice. Um, well, of course, I'm blanking now that I'm on the spot. But oh, you know, that's how <laughs> I do it all. The time. It's fine. I, I think I get a, an idea though. That's uh that's cool. But like you said in the early days, it was like, oh, I want to play pop punk. Like, yeah, yeah. That was like Green Day and like Rise Against. Yeah. We're like big. Rise Against is awesome. Yeah. They were they were on a, like one of the most epic tours of my life. Um, I've talked about it on the podcast a few times, but it was Gaslight Anthem opening. Um, then it was Thrice, Alkaline Trio and Rise Against. It was a, such a banging lineup. I'll never forget nice. that. It was wow, so- Thrice and the Rise Against. Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, wow, fanboy moment. This is amazing. 
This was like 13 years ago. <laughs> so long. <laughs> I'm starting to date myself. Oh, man. So, yeah, I assume then you kind of came up around the same time I did with the, you know, the Les Paul special and uh, wanting to play Green Day songs and, and all that. So the PV Viper, when did you upgrade? Upgrade? I don't know. Those don't suck terribly. They're kind of cool in their own way. No, they, yeah, they're, they're super cool. Yeah. Um, when, did they, when did you go to a tube amp? I guess that's a better question. Uh, I think I was in college. Um and I had saved up enough money for a tube amp because that was like, you know, reading online. People are like, dude, just get a tube amp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but my, uh, my first tube amp was I, uh, the Blackstar HT5, mm-hmm. um, like tiny little tube amp. And I, and I got it because it had like a headphone out and like practicing quiet was like huge for me. So I, I maybe shouldn't have gotten a tube amp because all I did was use headphones. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like turning that up, like when I got to turn it up loud and um, like hear how it sounded different from my Viper was like a mind blowing moment for me. Um, I still, I still love like the Viper actually is super, super cool. Um, but yeah, like the, I just remember like the first time I got uh, the, the big muff pedal and I plugged it into this little HT5 and I like didn't adjust any of the controls on the big muff. So it was like super loud and the fuzz was all the way up. And it was like seeing the light. Like it was the coolest moment. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling. The first time I plugged in to a like quote unquote real amp, it was an orange tiny terror. And I was just like, and I just kind of turned it up. I didn't really know what I was doing. I just hit an E and I was like, oh. The internet was right. Like, uh, <laughs> oh no, oh no, this is dangerous and expensive and life changing. I can never go back. And then here we are. Oh yeah, the obsession never, never really left after that. Yeah, it's going strong. So, were you watching a lot of pedal demos before you did your own, or who are some of your favorites? Yeah, I, I like, of course, Andy PGS oh. videos. Legit. um andy and knobs like when knobs started like the his count to five video was was like oh my gosh that is so cool like it was like artistic pedal demos yeah and um yeah and i would i would like i would just watch demos on pedals that i wasn't even interested in just to like look at new pedals <laughs> um but yeah i would i would watch demos all the time like i was really into like i was really into pedals for like a solid like two years it was like that was like my other hobby it was like guitar and and also pedals right. <laughs> how they can kind of diverge in some ways i've told mm-hmm. people before like i barely play guitar i play pedals <laughs> just like woo i i yeah. really set them up like almost like a synth and like yeah. play and adjust and go from there but do you have a pedal board set up currently i do it's it's kind of weird i get asked questions about it because I do like a little rig rundown video every year. Mm-hmm. And for like the last three years, like barely anything has changed on it. And people are like, you got like 20 pedals. Like, like you don't want to use any new pedals. And I'm like, not really because I keep the board around to be like some sort of uh, cornerstone of like, this is kind of like how I want to sound most of the time. Totally. 
And I like, I, but I'm also that kind of person who just like puts a bunch of stuff on the floor because there's more space, you know, and I, then I can like mess with signal chains and, and plug stuff like in and out of my board on like on the floor on the left and right and experiment that way. And I feel like if I had a board where I just put all my new stuff all the time, I'd have to, I'd have to rearrange stuff way too often. Oh, we're like kindred spirits. Like I haven't had a permanent pedal board set up in years. Uh, that's going to change here pretty soon. I'm going to go over to my friend Hank's house and like actually put a board together, but I'm the same way. Like I set them all up on a table and just, ah, and it just goes, it looks like a, just a mad scientist, just rat's nest of wires and Sometimes things short out and make weird sounds and uh, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm I'm the same way. I like playing with signal chain so much and I I don't have to like I'm not touring or I'm not playing gigs, so I don't have to have a permanent rig. So why would I? You know, like mm-hmm. I mean, let's let's get fun with it. But yeah, I do want to commit. I've got some really nice boards, like the makers of the boards. I got this a uh, 1915s uh pedal boards build that he made for me and it's just beautiful it's actually so pretty i don't even want to put pedals on it he's it's like purple heart and walnut and he did all these intricate things like instead of covering it all in velcro like i normally would i'm literally just this is the board i'm gonna set up but i'm gonna like just on where the pedals are gonna go because i don't want to cover up <laughs> i want to cover up as little of the wood <laughs> as possible <laughs> i thought about that too with like I've I've built all my own boards with like, you know, like that I, Ikea shelf thing where people, you know, like they take apart a shelf and then they put it into a board and stain totally. it. And like, so I have like a couple boards I made out of Ikea shelves and I like after I stain it, I'm like, well, that looks kind of nice. I don't really want to want to put Velcro all over that. <laughs> so I've thought about like putting little, little strips just where the pedals are going to go. Yep. But then I was like, well, if I change it, there's going to be like a weird strip that's like poking out or, or, or something like that. And I was like, well, uh, it's a pedal board. I'll just, I'll just cover it up. I don't think anyone's going to see it. <laughs> it's kind of one of these weird things where I'm, I feel like I'm making excuses for not <laughs> doing it. Like, ever, come on, just do the thing that everybody does. Like, it, it's going to make sense. And you'll, I think I will, I think I'll really enjoy playing with my feet again mm-hmm. instead of my hands so much. Um, and I, I should just like do it and consider that board semi permanent and like it's its own instrument. Like this is this set of pedals, um, but I don't know. I'm trying to set it up in a in a very what I think is a unique way because I the heart of everything is the Tape X2, which is a stereo delay, stereo in and out, and the way I route things is really strange because I'm always playing stereo, but I also want it to work as sort of a quote unquote normal board. Like if I was to play just like a regular rock show or something where I could just run one mono signal out through maybe the top of the chain and have it actually make sense at the other end because mm-hmm. the way I do things is really ridiculous and I've described it to you already. It's pretty pretty intense. But um so have you done any uh collaborative things with other demo people or made songs just like just made songs to make songs or are you still pretty much focusing on the videos? Um well, I did collaborate on a song for one of my videos. It was the uh, the hologram microcosm video with my friend Hondo Felder. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, I he, saw that one. Yes, I did. Yeah, see he's that. like he's like a super awesome bass player, and I was I was telling him I was like, I was like, oh, I got this microcosm pedal, and it's like 
it's it's challenging me like it's not something that I would normally play but um I wanted to like have my video be like I hey I'm gonna make music with this weird pedal that I'm uncomfortable with and I'm just gonna try my best to like make something yeah and I was telling him I'm like hey I'm struggling with this and he offered to like he's like hey I'll make you a bass and drum track if that helps inspire you so that was so nice of him. And and so we collaborated on that song and it turned out really cool, I think. It did. I forgot about that one before I asked you that question. That is great. That that microcosm might be the best pedal ever. It's like, so cool. Please <laughs> <laughs> so much out of it. And it's yeah. I, it sounds that I don't think have ever been heard before. It's so, uh, I made a whole song just around that one too. I was like, and it's called microcosm. I'm just like, I don't know what else to call it. <laughs> it's like a song about the pedal. I don't know. It's it's uh it's wonderful. There's never been a better time to be a guitar player, you know? Yeah, there's so many like cool stuff. Like I got I got a Chase Bliss mood recently mm. that I'm really enjoying. I was like, I have no idea how this works. Um <laughs> and um I because I, I won it off like they they were doing a, the dip days like thing for a month where like they you made a video showing how you use the dip switches on your chase bliss pedals and and I got like the runner-up prize and they decided to give me a pedal and I was like I'll check out the mood and um so I, I went into it like totally blind because I'd never researched the mood before because mm-hmm. like my general rule of thumb is like if I can't afford this pedal now like I don't want to watch videos of it because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise you know there goes like 300 bucks right um but yeah so i got i got this pedal and i was like i'll just you know play around with it and see like what what it does Mm -hmm. and i played with it for like four hours like the day i got it it's oh my god it's so it's so inspiring i love like the little like the the little um the looper side where you like you can't control the time like how how much it samples yeah just like does what it does and I love playing with pedals like that, that just like force you to just use the pedal how it wants to be used, not like how you want to dial it in, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's like a really fun aspect of pedals is that like with with like the weird, crazy pedals like that, that you can sit down for hours and just play what the pedal wants you to play. It's kind of a weird thing to think about because it is so flexible, but having those limitations baked in can be really good for creativity. It's like, I have to create something in these parameters that I am given. And sometimes that's better than like the unlimited option thing. Uh, you know, I, that's kind of stupid for me to say, but like for, for real, it's like, sometimes it's like, I want to just have this rig, you know, this guitar, this amp, whatever, and that's it. And I'm going to make this work for me. Otherwise you get that, you know, uh, paralysis by analysis situation sometimes and you just end up not doing anything yeah like yeah that's a huge problem for me too like the things the the when things start to get complicated like add a screen add like three secondary or triple functions and like it's got midi it's got presets it's got all this stuff and i'm like that's too much for my brain <laughs> <laughs> cannot process <laughs> i can barely play the e chord like, all of this you know? No, I get it. I get it. It's it's cool though. I love I love what you do. I like I said a bunch of times. I really like the songs that you are producing, and I'm excited to see you know see if you like make a record or something. And it's even cooler to hear you talk about. This is something I try to talk about on the show a lot. It's like just do 
things. You were like, I'm just going to do it and see what happens. And so many people are afraid to do that for fear of criticism or, or, or just, I mean, and I also understand that I'm not trying to belittle anybody, but I, it's really inspiring, inspiring to hear you're like, hey, I got this little Scarlet interface, a couple of mics, and you make this awesome art with it that is like, you know, I don't know. I think it's that's really inspiring to me. I think that's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, people need to they need to hear that more often. It's like just make stuff. We've never been in a better time for just anybody being able to make something that's like can be just as awesome as a you know hundred thousand dollar production you know, of an album, which doesn't really happen anymore, but Mm -hmm. you can really make amazing art at home. And that's just, that's just a beautiful thing for people like us. Yeah, totally. It's, um, yeah, it's it's just really cool. That's all I, all that to say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I used to be like the kind of person who was like, well, I'm not going to share my playing because I'm not good enough and I'll make mistakes and I don't have any cool ideas. And and it was kind of like um, I went to school for art. So um, it was kind of like it's it's kind of like you either do it or you don't and get and fail. So that helped me like force myself to just like, even though you're not feeling it or you don't think you're good, you just have to do something. Right. So that got me like in the right headspace to to be like, well, with music, I'll just like I'm not even getting graded on this. I'll just, like I'll, I'll just if I feel like doing it, I'll just do it. And whatever happens, happens. Yeah. You know, maybe you can explain some of this to me. I've always felt, felt uh, that art school is kind of a, kind of a strange thing. Like I have a hard time imagining being an art teacher, not in the way that like you couldn't show somebody some techniques and like learn that stuff. It's like when you talk about like getting graded on a piece of art, it's like, it, it is really weird. Weird. It's, it's weird. Like, is it, how do they, how do they even objectively do that? So the problem is some teachers don't, and that that's, that's a bad teacher, obviously, because so many, like all the kids in my class have like vastly different styles. Right. Um, but like a lot of the classes you take are like fundamental. So you'll do like a ton of charcoal drawings and work on uh, like anatomy and form. And I like, I feel like that's a little easier to grade. Like, oh, you got, you know, this muscle shape doesn't look right or whatever. Um, but in the higher level classes, it's kind of subjective. Um, a lot of people just like have a style that they've like set in and they don't make good grades because they are not willing to like do what the teacher's looking for necessarily. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, some teachers are better than others, but it is like a weird space to be in where you're like, I think this is really good. Like one of my best things and you turn it in and the teacher's like C minus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that does make sense. If you're like, you're like supposed to draw like a photo, like from a photo, like this bicep and it doesn't look like that bicep. Oh, like, okay. I guess I, that kind of makes sense if you, that's the assignment. But mm-hmm. I guess I've, I guess since I've never I'm obviously not very educated. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it was always hard for me to wrap my mind around like, okay, if somebody produces something that they feel is really like what they were shooting for, how is that? I don't know. How is that a B plus or a F or I don't know. I, it, it's always been an interesting thing, but again, not my background. So 
I don't really. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just, so I'm in animation. So like wow. past just the drawings, we, you know, do like, I um do like traditional animation. So that's like 2d hand-drawn stuff. So and there's like, there's like more leeway in that because the teachers like to see that kind of um, like be creative with this. Like people don't actually move like this, but if you want to like, if you want to exaggerate that, like it looks cool, it feels cool and then go ahead. Um, but uh it's there's definitely like a sort of style they lean to and it's like you know that disney style yeah it's like very very like fluid and like floaty like not something like if if you turn in something that you've seen on like south park style you know you know like or or it's not like it's it's it doesn't fit like that that kind of like disney-esque mold Mm -hmm. um then you're kind of out of luck i feel like a lot of the time yeah i think i know exactly what you're talking about so for one of my songs uh called purple skies this dude pedoscopic sounds is his channel mm-hmm. uh, yeah dude's amazing he did an animation for that song mm-hmm. and just totally totally nailed it but it's very like some people are like wow that was a lot to handle you know it was oh, they're great. so cool i've seen them they're so cool yeah he did it's still in totally in that style um mm-hmm. but, yeah, i know there's like a body in a trunk and and it's all this creepiness um but then like kind of mixed with like his like i don't know what to, what you would call his style it's like it's almost like an acid trip it's imagine. like it's like um like adult swim at two in the morning yeah and yeah. i love i love that stuff yeah but i have a feeling the teachers aren't looking for that no, yeah. If you if you turn that in, I mean, it depends on the assignment, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> but that, I mean, it's just like viewing like all this media that's out there and all the stuff that I enjoy. It's like, like you know, there's not just one way to do it. Like the teachers are looking for one thing, but you know, like South Park has obviously been very successful, and the animation there is just like, is it's not it's not Disney level, but it's it, people can still find pleasure and enjoy it. So, right, um, like coming at it from that perspective with like this maybe not be like the arena where this is acceptable, but, but people can enjoy things um, in a bunch of different ways. So is it because like these programs are designed to get you for like the animation program, for example, is it designed to get you to work at Disney? Is like that the end goal kind of thing? Um, Not necessarily, but like the, like the masters of animation were like Disney Disney guys. So they, they, there's like a, a book that two of them wrote together. Um, I forget what it's called. I'm totally blanking, but it's like, it lays out the principles of animation and like in general, like you're supposed to follow these rules um, and to make your animations look fluid and nice and stuff. Um, so, so it's like by definition, animation is kind of like skewed toward the Disney thing in, in at least in, in school. Right. Um, Cause like the, the curriculum kind of, it comes from Disney guys. Right. Um, yeah. So. Okay. That makes sense. There's, I mean, there's no denying that they are some of the best of all time. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, just look at any of the old Disney and you know, like shows it's, it's next level. Like it is really, really impressive. And you see, you know, everything that goes into it. If you're looking at it, not just as a casual viewer, if you're like really looking at how it is created, you without even knowing everything it's like you can see the watercolor backgrounds and like oh wow look how they're look how they're moving across the screen it's 
that's a lot of different frames that somebody had to hand draw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a uh, it's really impressive. So I'm not trying to knock it at all. I'm just trying to get my head around, you know, the program. So mm-hmm. Well, let's see. We are nearing the end of the podcast. And so I do have some of the classic questions, which I believe you're familiar with before we wrap this thing up. Yeah. But before we do that, like, I don't know if you've got, you know, a great aunt you want to shout out or anything you want to plug or anything you've been wanting to tell a couple thousand people. Like, now's the chance to do it. Oh, okay. Um, well, I want to shout out my friends who are probably going to listen to this. I told them I was really nervous to be on a podcast. And they're like, Megan, you can do it. Um, so that was so nice of them. And uh, I I released a little album of some of my songs that I've done for demos the other day. Um, so that's on my Bandcamp at uh, MeganL.BandCamp.com. Sick. And other than that, I just have my YouTube channel, which is uh, MeganL. And then my Instagram is just.megan11. And I think that's 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 kind of all I have out there right now. All right. That that works. You did great. <laughs> Thank <So>. you. <laughs> no reason to be ner- now you now you can do more shows. There's more podcasts out there that would I'm sure would love to have you. It would be oh. awesome. Maybe we'll have you come on Chasing Tone one of these days too. You can nerd out with Brian and Richard and I be dorks together it's great yes uh, <laughs> okay cool all right so classic questions here we go first one what's your favorite boss pedal okay i've got i've got two that are like kind of tied okay the space echo yeah and the blues driver oh i didn't see that one coming the blues driver was like i think i think it was my first overdrive that i got and I've just kept it like it, it just works. It, it just works. That's, that's it. most of the stuff I play. Like, I don't need like a super mid heavy, like tube screamer type thing. Yeah. And I like how the boss, you can just use it as like a, a boost, just get your volume up a little low gain drive or like turn that thing up. And like, it's like fuzz. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. The blues driver. I have a, I don't own one currently, but I need to. Because I rem- it was one of the first boss pedals that I plugged into without really knowing a lot about it. This was a long time ago. I plugged it in and went, ooh, that's nice. Why does nobody talk about this pedal? <laughs> like, And then shortly thereafter, and you know, I don't know if Jeff's going to listen to this. Shout out, Jeff. You're the man. But I got to disagree with you on this. He's my old guitar instructor. Um, amazing guitar player. But uh, he-, he was like, yeah, you know, you don't want... We, we were not talking about the blues driver. We were talking about something else. He's like, well, yeah, you don't want to get something that sounds like garbage like the blues driver. I'm like, I just played that the other day and I thought it was very really cool. But you know way more about guitar than I do, so maybe I'm wrong. But no, sorry, Jeff. We just have to agree to disagree on that. Uh, I probably need snore. some more lessons, by the way. <laughs> if you listen to this. But yeah, the Space Echo is cool too. I always forget about that one. That is actually a really, really dope pedal. They did a good job with that. That yeah. one, I I expected, like probably like a DD three, maybe the Space Echo. I was thinking, but yeah, threw me for a loop with the Blues Driver. All right, the final question and the one that divides families and causes rifts and friendships all over the world. What is your favorite kind of pizza? Okay, so I've given this one like a lot of thought. I knew you're going to ask this. Okay. Um, and I'm I think like I've I've just settled on. 
a basic pepperoni and cheese pizza, mm-hmm. you get like the heart of like what pizza is. Totally. So like a good pepperoni and cheese is like that's like a good pizza, you know? Yeah. Um, it's a crowd but food. yeah, that's like I, I would say that's like that's my go-to. And then also anything if you just put a bunch of jalapeno peppers on it. Mm-hmm. I'm all about that. Like, okay. yeah, get get it really spicy. Oh, I love that. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we're we can eat pizza together. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, well, that sounds tremendous. Yeah, I mean, when you think of pizza, when it, and I think this is true regardless of your dietary restraints or or not. I think when you just think of pizza, you think of a pepperoni pizza. It's there's a reason for that. It is it is like the gold standard. Everyone loves it. No one ever shows up with a pepperoni pizza and everyone's like, oh, man, why'd you get a pepperoni pizza? Boo. <laughs> I was like, sweet. I wouldn't give me a slice of that. But it's a uh, you can't go wrong. So how about your crust preferences? Do you like a thinner crust, thicker crust? Particular. Um, I would say I would say probably like medium thin to 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 medium, like not. I don't want it to be like doughy but also like I, I don't like when it's like paper thin where it's like you pick it up and it like doesn't like it, it just like stays flat you know mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan of that but I will say that okay this is this is one odd thing that is kind of interesting um like next day pizza like so you refrigerate it microwave the heck out of it and like when it's just all like soggy and gross <laughs> i i don't i, I love that <laughs> that is a, that is a, well let me let me say first of all uh almost any temperature of pizza i'm okay with as long as it's not frozen or burning my mouth off uh, you know as long as it's edible i'm pretty much okay with it next day pizza if i have to choose unless I'm going to do like a real nice reheat in like the toaster oven or something, I'd almost would rather it just be room temperature. And that might be equally weird. I'm not sure. Or like just straight out of the fridge, like cold pizza. Yeah, I'll do that. Good. It is good. The microwaved like pizza mess thing. I have, I'll admit like I have done. It's not my preferred reheat method, but it does take me back to like, nostalgic childhood of like putting a papa murphy's back in. <laughs> yeah. and i'm like wow this is kind of nice though like <laughs> when it like burns the roof of your mouth and yeah. it's like oh it's so good though <laughs> yeah or it's like you get the pizza pocket and you you get it reheated <laughs> and you bite into part of it and it's it literally melts your mouth and then you take another bite and it's like but it's still frozen there yeah the middle's like totally frozen <laughs> i don't know things are weird but Megan, thank you so much for coming on. This is fantastic. I loved well, it. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. This was a blast. Well, we can do it again sometime. You're welcome back anytime and uh, keep doing what you do. I love it. Oh, thank you. Yes. Okay. All right, everybody. For Megan, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. There you go. There you have it. There it is. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Megan is awesome, and she is making awesome stuff, as I mentioned several times on that episode. I hope you slide over and check out her videos, subscribe to her YouTube channel, give her a follow on the socials, and all of that information is in the show notes as well. So please, please check out her stuff. She's doing really, really awesome stuff. I would not lead you astray. I would never 
never tell you somebody who's doing something cool if I didn't genuinely think so, and she is really killing it. And furthermore, we actually talked more. So if you would like more of our conversation, and actually something a little bit weird happened right in the middle of the Patreon chat. It was was a bit of a thing I had to go deal with, and we elaborate on that further, but I had to jump off right in the middle, and we came back because something kind of strange happened. And if you would like to hear about that, and you would like additional content delivered to your ears every week, please check out ToneMob.com slash Patreon, which is in the show notes as well. Or if you are an Apple user, you can subscribe right there in your podcast app to the bonus content, and that helps out just as much as if you were on Patreon. So either way, whichever is more comfortable for you, I really, really, really appreciate it. And if you can't, I totally, totally understand. But if you wouldn't mind sharing this podcast with somebody that you think might really enjoy it, I would appreciate that so much. The more listeners I have, the more cool stuff I get to bring to you, the more people I'll be able to reach out to and be like, hey, look, there's actually people that listen to this show. Please come. Please check this out. I mean... If nobody was listening, there'd be really no point in me doing this. So thank you for spending all this time with me. And thank you for all the support over all these years. It's really incredible. I I can't say it enough. You people are phenomenal. So thank you so much. I hope you have a good time this week. And yeah, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And I will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com slash Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com slash Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.